This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Class Podcast. Together, we are learning from God's Word how to make marriage and love better. When fixing up a house, sometimes you may need to consult a specialist or someone who knows more about the matter than you. Likewise, when fixing up your marriage, who better to consult than the person who created it? Join us via live recording as we learn some things you should be praying about in your marriage. Be sure to visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash prayer to follow along with the class notes and enjoy additional content. If this podcast is a blessing to you, consider leaving feedback on our website or if available, a review wherever you listen to podcasts. So here it is, three things you should be praying about in your marriage. We're in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Galatians 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Sometimes when you're fixing up a house, and that's kind of our theme, we have, Corey, I know you're kind of new, so what we're trying to do a theme of, we're fixing up a house, and that's kind of comparing it to a marriage. And sometimes when you're fixing up a house, you have to consult with a specialist, someone that knows a lot more than you do about fixing up a house. And for me, it wouldn't take a whole lot for me to need a specialist because I don't know much about fixing up a house. Is someone that has knowledge and capabilities that are beyond your own. They may have access to equipment or tools and things that you wouldn't have. You know, in the same way, sometimes in marriage, we need a specialist. And that specialist, the greatest specialist in marriage is God. God is the one who invented marriage, right? God is the one who designed marriage, who set up marriage. And so we can go to him He's our specialist. So if you'll look on your handout this morning, it should say three things, but this is nine things. That's because there's actually are nine things. I just got kind of carried away thinking I could do nine things at one time. So we'll just break it up and this will be a to be continued kind of thing. But today it's going to be three things you should be praying for in your marriage. Three things you should be praying for in your marriage. And we do have a class website. Once I get it up, it may take me a few days to get this lesson up. But once it's there, you can go and you can see the notes, a more detailed version of the notes. That's going to be at Fixer Upper Marriage. It's actually on your notes you have today, but fixerUppermarriage.org slash prayer. And you can go there and you will be able to see. And hopefully there'll be a podcast where you could listen to it if you'd like to. But that's available for you if you would like that. But number one, pray that love will define your relationship. Pray that love will define your relationship. As we read this morning, we read about the fruits of the Spirit. And one of those fruits of the Spirit, the first of those fruits is love. And love is something that obviously is very important in marriage, right? Godly love does not leave room for lust. Godly love does not leave any room at all for lust. We see this in Galatians chapter 5, if you want to look, if you still have your Bible open in verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, 
uncleanness, lasciviousness. So we find these instruments of lust that are the works of the flesh. And then the Bible compares the fruit of the Spirit. It's a difference between it. And that's the love that we should have in marriage is not the lust that this world calls love today. God gives us a gift of physical love that's to be enjoyed in marriage. But lust is like the devil's cheap replacement. It's just a way, a selfish way of getting what you want. Love is not that way, though. Love is giving yourself away to someone else. That's a Bible love. That's the love that God has for us. God's design is for you to make the commitment to one another. We make that commitment and then we get to enjoy this wonderful love that God has given to us. It's contrary to the love that the world teaches us today. This world's system teaches us that lust is normal and acceptable, doesn't it? I mean, for example, if you watch any TV at all, whether it's a TV with antenna or a TV with a cable or a TV now you watch on the internet. I mean, if you watch any kind of syndicated television or movies, it's just normal behavior for people that barely know each other to sleep together. I mean, it's just something normal that they do. But but that's marriage outside of sex, outside of marriage is lustful, isn't it? We know that. But the world pushes it on us like that's okay, but that's not the way that God designed things to be. He designed things to be the way that he designed love is for us to experience that love relationship in the context of marriage. And we once we make that commitment to each other, when we put those rings on our fingers and we say, I do, then that makes everything OK. It's not something bad or ugly or lascivious anymore. But our culture teaches us that all kinds of lust are acceptable today. But, you know, God's word teaches us something completely different. Listen to this in Romans chapter one in verse number 26. The Bible says this for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. I mean, the world just pushes that on us, that that's an okay, that this is an ulterior lifestyle. It's just a different way to live. Yes, it sure is, but it's not the way that God planned for marriage to be. The government may say it's okay. The government may try to define marriage as something else, but we all know the truth, right, that God May God invented marriage and these people that today the world tries to push this idea of lust and love being the same thing. And no, it's not the same thing at all, is it? We know better than that. And we see today these uh, gay pride movements or whatever they are, and they're all uh, love, uh, love. They've got these big signs that say rainbow signs that say love. No, that's not love. That's lust. They burn in their lust one toward another. That is not love. But pray that God will protect you and your spouse from the lust and the influences that are in our world today. It's very ungodly. It's not the type of love that God wants us to have. But you should be praying that God will give you a love toward your spouse that is a godly love and that your spouse will be able to love you in a godly way. To godly, godly love lets you define attractiveness by your spouse. Godly love lets you define attractiveness by your spouse. You know what? My wife, when we got married, when I fell in love with my wife and we it took me a little longer to tell her the words I love you. But I remember as I 
fell in love with my wife. And to me, she was the most beautiful woman in the world. I mean, she was just absolutely gorgeous and she still is. To me today, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Godly love lets you define that attractiveness that you have by your spouse. You know, my definition of attractive is my spouse that God gave me. You know, that runs contrary to what this world teaches. You know, I don't want to be that gray haired man that's lusting after a woman half his age. I don't want to be that way. But that's the way the world is. They push all these images into our minds and it's everywhere you look and they're trying to define attractiveness as something that's not your spouse. But that's not what real godly love is. Real godly love lets you define attractiveness by your spouse. I choose to let my wife be the standard for attractiveness for me. And fortunately for me, I do have an attractive wife. That's not something hard for me to do. Thank the Lord that he gave me. And it doesn't really fit because I'm not that attractive of a guy, but God gave me a very attractive wife. Godly love sees past faults and failures and mistakes. I think about the way that God loves me. God chooses to love me even when I'm not very lovely, even when I do things that are not very attractive to him. And I would say most of the time, that's what I'm doing, things that are not very attractive. When I see the things that are in my heart, And I just wonder why God would love me the way that he does. And that's because God chooses to love me even when I make mistakes. And when your spouse makes mistakes, you make the choice to continue to love them. Just like, by the way, you made the choice to love them to begin with. You know, we use the words falling in love and it feels that way. When you get to know each other and you're talking, you just kind of fall in love. It's like something that accidentally happens, but that's not the way it is. We make a choice to love. I was attracted to my wife and I got to know her and I made that conscious choice to love her and she makes the choice to love me. You know, your spouse is the one relationship in the world that is for life. You know, I love my pastor and God gives us godly pastors, but to be honest, pastors can come and go, right? Someone in your life, I mean, maybe God calls a pastor somewhere else and maybe a pastor retires or maybe a pastor just quits. I mean, sometimes I've seen that happen. Actually, I've heard of it happening many times of a pastor just quit. But those people in your life just come and go. Friends come and go. You know what? I have people that I was really close to at one time and I don't have anything to do with them anymore. It's just life has changed and circumstances has changed. It's not that I'm against them or have anything personal against them. It's just they've gone a different way or whatever. Their path maybe has gone a little different than mine. And now we're not close anymore. Those people come and go. But the one relationship that God designed in our lives to be a stable one is our relationship not only with Christ, but our relationship with our spouse. It is meant to be for life. God hates divorce, doesn't he? And God wants us to be married. He gives us that mate that we're to enjoy for the rest of our lives. And and when God does that, it's a choice that we make of all the people in the world. God gives us our spouse to be with. People come and go, but our spouse is for the rest of our life till death. Do us part. That's the way we say it right till death. Do us part. And this is counter to the fantasy love where we fall in love and live happily ever after. No, it's a choice that we make every day. Pray. Number two, pray that your lives will bring joy to each other. The second thing you should be praying about in your marriage is pray that your lives will bring joy to each other. 
Joy in marriage is one of the most intimate aspects, in my opinion, of marriage. Joy in marriage. There is joy in the moments that we've made together. My wife and I, we will be celebrating our 15th anniversary pretty soon. And I am nervous about how, what I'm going to do and what great things I'm going to plan. You pray for me. I'm nervous and trying to find something that's going to be monumental or whatever. It seems like such a big deal. We've been married for 15 years. But we were talking the other day about all the little moments that we had together. And, and when we got married, we got married at night and then we went and stayed just far enough away so no one could do any pranks to us. We drove about 45 minutes just so nobody could prank us and went to a motel. And then we went on the way home. We stopped and ate at our favorite restaurant, which, by the way, is Cracker Barrel. We just love to eat at Cracker Barrel. So we stopped at Cracker Barrel and we didn't sit across from each other. We sat right beside each other and held hands the whole time. So we ate with one hand and when we held hands with the other hand, we just couldn't let each other go. And as we talked about these things, it just kind of, we laughed about that, that, these moments that we all have together. And then we came home and we didn't tell anybody this, but we had like a day before we went to where we were going to stay for a few days for our honeymoon. And we sneakily, if that's a word, we sneakily came home and we parked behind our house and didn't tell anybody. And we kept the lights down low. And my wife's best friend, Penny, she drove by our house and somehow she saw a light on. It was such a big deal that she had figured out that she thought we must be home. And I don't know how we left the light on. We were so sneaky. I mean, we had every light complete. We tried not to make any sound or anything. I mean, we didn't want anybody to know we were there because people would want to come see us, right? They would want to come play pranks. And my brother would try to do something absolutely off the wall crazy if he knew that we were home. But, you know, we just laugh about this. We have those moments together. And those are joyful moments when we think about those things. We laugh together. And laughing together is a way to strengthen your marriage in an incredible way. Those We just spend that time together. Make those joyful moments with each other. You know what? Do things together to have those moments to, to talk about and to laugh and to enjoy with each other. Spend time talking to one another. Put all the distractions to the side and there are a lot of distractions today, aren't they? There's all these things. We got the, the, the TV, which used to be the only distraction, I think, in the house was the TV and maybe the phone with the long cord. Remember, my mama had a, a phone on the wall with a really, really, she was so excited when my daddy got her the really, really, really long cord. I mean, that was ridiculous. She could, the phone was in the kitchen and she would be all the way into the living room cleaning and she'd have the phone on her, on her side talking to somebody. And that was the, that was sort of the only distractions. Now we got all these distractions. We have cell phones and earbuds. My wife says, take those earbuds out of, out of your ears and listen to me for, for, for a change. And we have, you know, we can get on the internet on your cell phone now. And then we can do a computer sitting right there. Usually it's right there, you know, where easy access is. Turn it on and you can spend your time. I mean, forget about meditating. I mean, forget about all that. Now we just spend our time on our phone or on the computer or on the TV. It used to be years ago, my mom and dad had a TV. It was a tiny little TV with an antenna and it picked up like three channels. And one of those channels was really, really fuzzy. I mean, it just had like the static in it and you could barely tell what was going on. And that was something that we very rarely watched it. But when we did, it was something really important that was happened to be on that channel. And you could barely tell what was going on. You could barely hear it. And now, I mean, people have cable in their house and they have 
hundreds of channels. It's like, my goodness. And then now it's on the now TV's on the internet. You watch TV on the internet. Stream your TV shows. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of TV shows to to screen to to stream. And those are all these distractions. But put those distractions aside and just spend some time with each other. Create some of those moments that you can be joyful about. Joy is the measurement for health of your marriage. If you don't have joy together, it's a serious sign that something is bad wrong in your marriage. If you can't laugh with each other, there's something wrong. You know, it's like in your car when you're going down the road and you see the yellow light come on. It means something is wrong and you need to go get it checked out. Maybe go to AutoZone or whatever store or go to the dealership or to your mechanic and they can run tests and see why is this yellow light on and then god forbid if the red light comes on that means something is really bad i mean if it what it doesn't matter what icon it is if it's red that probably means you need to pull over right then i mean if your car is overheating you're going to if you ignore the red light if you ignore that little red flashing light on your dash you are probably going to ruin your car if you don't do something about it but Joy is like that in marriage. It's like the measurement. It's like the flashing light. It's like the red light on the dash of your car. You need to stop if you can't be joyful with each other, if you can't joke with each other, if you can't laugh together. Then there's something really bad wrong with your marriage. It's time to pull over. Wait, I need to fix something. There's something bad wrong with my marriage. It's like in, on your instrument panel, on your console. Something is wrong when we can't laugh together. Joy is that warning light. Warning, no joy. Joy level is low. It's time to pull over and fix some things in your marriage when you can't laugh and you can't have fun together. And one of the most hurtful things, one of the most hurtful things in marriage is when you can't laugh and joke with your spouse and you don't have that at home. And then you see your spouse at work and they laugh with someone else. That's just the most horrible feeling in the world. Or to come to church and your wife is laughing at this joke that some man told her. And then at home, there's no joy at home. Isn't that a terrible, awful situation to be there? But when you, if you're in that situation, or if your marriage gets that way, that's your warning light. That's the flashing lights on your console. It's time to fix something. But find the joy in serving each other. Find the joy in serving each other. My greatest joy is in serving the Lord. I love to serve the Lord. Something that I love to do is I love to teach and I love to preach God's word. It's just something I enjoy because that's something that I can do for the Lord. You know, I don't do that for money because there's not very much money in it, right? I mean, compared to the amount of time that I spend studying and praying, I mean, it's hours and hours that you spend, but it's something that I can do for the Lord because I love him. It's something that there's joy in me doing. I can do something for the Lord. Now he could, he could have chosen angels to preach the gospel, right? He could have chosen angels to share the gospel. He didn't, he doesn't have to use us to share the gospel, but he lets us do that. And it's a joyful thing for us to be able to do that, to tell somebody that Jesus loves them, to tell someone that Jesus saves, to hand out a track and say, Jesus loves you. I want to invite you to my church to find out the gospel so you can hear the truth. That's an honor. That's a joy to serve him. It's a joy to do things for him. And I enjoy doing th- things for him just to serve him. There's joy in serving. There's this hymn. It's called Joy in Serving Jesus. It goes like this. There is joy in serving Jesus as I journey on my way. 
joy that fills my heart with praises every hour and every day. This is taking from the hymn Joy in Serving Jesus by Oswald J. Smith. There is joy in serving Jesus, isn't there? But there's joy in serving him. In a similar way, there is joy in serving your spouse. There is a joy in serving one another. When you do something that's completely for your spouse and there's, you don't expect anything in return, there is an incredible amount of joy in that. By finding something that your spouse likes and doing it for them and not expecting a single thing in return. You know what? When I serve the Lord, I don't expect a single thing in return. You know why? Because I'm doing it out of joy. I'm doing it out of love. And when you love your spouse enough to do something just for them, it brings joy to your life. It brings joy into your marriage when you do these things. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own happiness. I'm not happy. I'm not happy with my marriage. My spouse did this or my spouse did that or this is not this particular aspect of my marriage isn't what I think it ought to be. And it's all, we're all wrapped up in us. Right. But if we stop and do something for our spouse without expecting anything in return, God will bring us joy because there's joy in serving each other. Pray that God will allow you to bring joy to your spouse. Number three, pray that peace will keep you together. Another thing you should pray for is that peace will keep you together. You know, God's peace is something that keeps me together as a Christian. To know that I'm right with him and that he's not angry with me is such a huge blessing. I remember the day that I got saved and I trusted the Lord. I didn't realize everything that was involved in that. You know, as I went along and I read my Bible and I prayed, I realized this great peace that I had with God. I mean, what, how amazing is it to know that God is at peace with me and that I have a peace with him? You know, I have this peace of God also to maintain in my walk with the Lord. I had peace with God when I got saved, but I also have peace of God. And that's something that I have to maintain every day as I walk with him. I experience if I maintain that peace, I experience it every day in my life. But having peace with each other will keep your marriage together. Keeping peace with each other will keep your marriage together. And we have this incredible advantage as Christians because we have something very unique. When I am, I am saved and my spouse is saved, I have this incredible advantage that this world doesn't have. I have a Christian faith and we have a relationship. Not only is Amber my wife, but she is my sister in the Lord. We're both saved. We both know the Lord and we have this unique relationship with each other, but having peace with each other will keep your marriage together. This is in Psalm chapter 133 and verse number one. I'll read it to you. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. God says it's good and pleasant to have unity. Peter, Peter asked this to Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 21. Then came Peter to him, came Peter to Jesus and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? That just sounds like a good number, Lord. That sounds like a really spiritual number. Should I forget? And Peter, by the way, was married. Should I forgive my wife seven times? And Jesus said to him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. In other words, your forgiveness should be without end. 
your peace, use that peace, having peace with each other will keep your marriage together. Being able to forgive each other. Do you know, try not to talk when you're angry. What If you're angry with your spouse, just try not to talk until you calm down. You may say some things that you regret, as everyone, I think, is agreeing with me here that you, when you're angry, you say some things that you regret. So just don't, when you're angry, just say, we'll deal with this later. Let's talk about this once we calm down a little bit. But talk through, you should talk through your problems in marriage, right? Sometimes we think we're just going to, things are just going to fix themselves and it never fixes itself, does it? Things in marriages don't fix themselves. You have to put forth the effort and you have to put forth the work to fix things in your marriage. You have to put forth the work to have peace in your marriage and in your relationship with your spouse. Make peace with each other. Pray for that peace with each other. Peace with your spouse impacts the peace of God in your life. Listen to what the Bible says. I'm going to read this to you also in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. Likewise, ye husbands, Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as in the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered, that your prayers be not hindered. So you see how that our horizontal relationship, our vertical relationship with the Lord, when we that being right with him is directly as a Christian is directly related to being right with our spouse. And the Bible teaches this. In fact, it says that God will not hear your prayers. Wait a minute. You mean if I'm upset with my wife, if we don't have peace with each other, that means that God will not hear the prayers that I have. According to the Bible, uh, not me, according to the Bible, you can't be wrong with your spouse and right with God at the same time. As a Christian, your marriage is uniquely related to your walk with God. You know, running your spouse down is not spiritual even when it sounds that way. Complaining about your spouse to other people, guess what? It makes you wrong with God. Because when you're not right this way, you're not right this way either. Mistreating your spouse makes you wrong with God. I mean, just listen to the way God worded this verse in the Bible. I just love the King James Bible, don't y'all? I just absolutely love the way things are worded. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to your wife as being heirs together of the grace of life. You know what God is saying? Mistreating your spouse is like mistreating God. In conclusion, three things you should be praying for in your marriage. Pray that love will define your relationship. Pray that you'll have this love that defines your relationship, a godly love in your marriage. Number two, pray that your lives will bring joy to one another. And number three, pray that peace will keep you together. God has something amazing planned for your marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the privilege it is to be saved today. The privilege it is to have a Christian marriage. The privilege it is just to be a Christian, but then to have the opportunity to be together. May we not forget the reason we get married. 
as a Christian is to show your love to this world and to make a family, to raise a family for you and to be a witness and a testimony to this world, Lord, that we know that our marriage is impactful for the gospel's sake. And I pray that you'd help us not to lose sight of that. May we pray for these three things in our marriage, that you would help us to have a godly love, that you would help us to have peace with one another, and that you would help us to experience joy in our marriage. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.